Hi, good morning, Night Vale listeners, fans, owners, and future patrons. Yes, we said it, patrons. We are launching a Patreon. So we can do cool things like bring you more fun slash weird content and have some cash to pay our editors and mixers. If you were thinking I'd love to buy those Good Morning Night Vale hosts a beer or a froyo or two semesters of tuition at mortuary school. Now you can, but instead of beers and yogurt and embalming fluid, it's cash so we can use it to keep bringing you this show. We have great perks for our patrons, like ad-free episodes and exclusive backstage tour videos and pictures, including video from our recent trip to White Castle. It was fine. Totally fine. Plus, a bonus monthly fan zone only episode, bi-monthly live fan zones, shout-outs in the credits, recipes, and food recs from the cast. I, Hal Lublin, will make scones for you on the internet. Plus, monthly weird, personalized gifts and snacks delivered by mail from the cast. I have a lot of weird Night Vale shit in my house, and for the right price, it's coming your way. And the opportunity to be a guest on Good Morning Night Vale on the future episode of your choice. And more. If you love us or even just like us, check out our Patreon and keep our love alive with your sweet, sweet cash. Go to patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. That's patreon.com. Good morning, Night Vale. We are forever in your hearts. And in your earbuds. And in your bank accounts. It's fine. We We love love you. you. Your existence is not impossible. But it is also not very likely. Good morning, Night Vale. Welcome to Good Morning Night Vale. My name is Meg Bashwinner. And I'm Symphony Sanders. And me, I'm Hal Loveland. And welcome to Good Morning Night Vale, the show where people from Night Vale listen to Night Vale and then talk about Night Vale for fans of Night Vale. (laughs) And this episode is episode 16, The Phone Call, the description of which is, Cecil receives a cryptic phone call from someone who is very close, plus a new business plan at the Daily Journal, an important list from the Sheriff's Secret Police, and improvements at the Public Library. Let's talk about it! Let's talk about it. This is the episode where we first hear Carlos's voice. <laughs> or do we? It's Jeffrey! <laughs> Got you! Tricked you! It was back before we knew any voice actors other than Cecil Baldwin. No. <laughs> before Dylan existed. Um, yes, Dylan was born on uh, February the f- the first, twenty thirteen. No, yeah, this was back when before we uh, we knew how to do any of this stuff. So Jeffrey was just like, "I'm a person, I can do this." Jeffrey did a great job. All he read things very loudly and clearly. I think that's always a a good test of acting. Is can you hear me? Um, do I know what those words are? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then later they were able to remedy by hiring Dylan Marin to play Carlos, but that day was not today. I do remember on Tumblr his post when it was recast or about it being recast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it strikes me, uh, like I'm not, I don't think anybody committed a crime. So I don't, I'm hesitant to be like, speak up in anybody's defense because I don't think it's something that needs defending. I think it was something that needed to be corrected, which was corrected. But it goes to – it sort of speaks to how we are evolving and becoming more aware <laughs> of the world around us and the people who are willing to either evolve and change or make sure that their actions are meeting up with their mindset are the people who will help uh, society equalize in some way. I feel like I'm – am I talking in circles? Did that make sense? No, it's about making sure that – representation is there in whatever form or media that we put out there and making sure that population certain populations aren't cast incorrectly or cast in a different way but you know this wasn't even a this wasn't even a, a casting decision it was just like we this is the only people that are doing this um right and the guys have always been like really good about paying their actors and 
you know, this was just a thing that they were doing. And they're like, well, let's just do this thing. And then when they could got the, the wherewithal to fix it, they did. And that was awesome. So I say huzzah to that. And thank goodness they didn't cast Angelina Jolie like they were going to. Or Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh, that's right. Damn it. I fucked up my own joke. <laughs> I'm tired, everybody. I'm sorry. Just imagine it was Scarlett Johansson that I said, except for that Meg said it. Yeah. I was there to, to help you out by making you feel bad. I'm just going to take a nap. No, you fixed it. I appreciate it. Pick it up. Put it down. That's what we're here to do. Uh, yeah, so they pick it up, put it down. That's what exactly. We've, you can fix it. That's what you can do. That's one of the good good things about this is that they were able to, when the character of Carlos became more prominent and had more voice on the show, we were able to find an excellent actor to to voice Carlos that even has perfect teeth and hair. Um, he does. He really does. We're going to talk to him later. It's so exciting. Yeah. Can't wait. No spoilers, but you're being spoiled that this episode is going to have an interview with Dylan Marin in it. I do love the comedy of Cecil fawning. I, this is like probably my favorite Cecil performance to date on the show. Just like I love the way he plays this and that it's delivered so well and you get such a strong sense of what's going on. Like it's just the the – Th- that voice acting is so, so strong. It conveys everything it needs to convey. It makes the jokes pop really well. It's just a, a great testament to how fantastic a performer Cecil is. Yeah, Cecil really, you know, we've already seen, like, he's starting to round out the character, right, in the, the world that he's in um, and this person and how they feel. And now you're really getting a clear, clearer view because, you know, you see someone doing a job and they're like, okay, this is how I do my job. But when it starts to become a more person on a personal level, you really do get to see all these like him giddy like a schoolgirl. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. He has this big shift in tone that he uses when talking about this, uh, this phone call that lets us know that there's something there besides journalism in his voice. I have a theory, my fan theory about Cecil is that he lived a very quiet, stoic, professional life before Carlos. And Car- he didn't really see Carlos coming, I don't think. And so I think that speaks to his giddiness and his uh, not so so much lack of professionalism, but the, the bringing of his personal life to the show is that he was not prepared for how much he would uh, be uh, swept up in Carlos. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And he just likes him so much. It's so nice. And especially because when he recounts the conversation, Carlos is really talking about something very, very serious. You know, something that he's found out that is scientifically very strange and could affect everyone in the town. And all Cecil can, like, think about is that he's being re- trying to be really cool and, like, He's like, oh my God. And then I know I've literally had this conversation. I feel like we were just having this conversation earlier talking about dates, but like, you're like, oh my God. And then he did this and it was so great. And the things that happen, you're brushing over the actual thing that you were discussing. It wasn't even, um, it was a much more serious topic. Also, what is Armagnac? Armagnac is like a, um, it's like a, a whiny, boozy, liqueur-y thing. Oh, I like wine. Is it? Well, let me, I'm going to look it up now. Um, but it's like a, a liqueur. Um, I think, yeah, it's a liqueur. I like it. Hmm. Armagnac is a distinct, it's a brandy. Oh. It's produced. Yeah, it's in, got a, I imagine it was like cognac. Yeah, it's a brandy that's from uh, southwest France. Oh, fancy. She fancy. Yeah. So that, I get that, because he was being like really fancy, and he's like, oh, but yeah, this whole thing, this through line runs throughout the whole episode, even after Carlos called. And then, you know, the very serious things, he's like, please tell all of your listeners, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. After a very mysterious visit from the man in the tan jacket, he he's like, all he can think of is that they're going on a date. It's not even the other stuff with time, which, by the way, there's less time in Night Vale, right? Is that what it's saying? The rest of the world is taking more time to do the same amount. Okay. Right? Yeah. No, time is slowing down. In Night Vale, time is slower. 
So it would be at just to like one year in Night Vale would be 10 years somewhere else. Hmm. Like uh, in the movie Interstellar. Yes. <laughs> when they Again. head down to the surface of the planet and then they like for for 90 seconds, they stop to like, he has to go rescue Amy Adams or whoever. I can't remember the other people in that movie. I think it's Amy Adams, right? Isn't she in that? Um, I can't remember if it's her. That's not the Who Sandra knows? Bullock one. Anyway. No, whoever it is, uh, when they get back to the ship, the guys, the, the crewmate who stayed there is significantly older because they took a little bit of time. So time moved a lot slower on the surface of that planet than it did everywhere else. Mm. That's where we'd be heading towards, a real interstellar situation in Night Vale. <laughs> and, well, and it doesn't help that the clocks are hollow. That's true. Or filled with that gross, oh, that wudged me out, like the um, gray, fuzzy, like kind of squishy thing that's in some of the backs. Oh, that like really made me hork a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it made me a little barfy. Can I take us back? To the beginning of the episode and the Daily Journal is going to be killing news blockers with hatchets. What do you guys think about the rise of the internet reporter? I know I'm saying this at least 10 years too late. I sound like a Time Magazine article from 2006. The <laughs> rise of the internet reporter. But this idea that you know the internet's democratized information, in some ways that's great. In other ways, it's horrifying. Because you can claim to be a reporter without doing any of the required journalistic, you know what I mean? You can just call yourself a reporter. I have a blog where I report the news. Yeah, well, you don't have to, you don't adhere to the standards and ethics of journalism and uh, have training in the procedures of journalism, which is important. It's important to what journalism is, is that it is an art uh, and as well as being a science. You just get a lot of people with a bunch of hot takes. Yeah, it's the the fusion of hot takes and actual reporting and news that is that, that makes things blurry. Where it's like this is this person's opinion, which is great. Opinions are wonderful, but opinions are not facts. Opinions are not nuanced research journalism. They're what someone feels, which is great. Feelings are wonderful, but feelings are uh, feelings are not a way to categorize public record. They're not a way to do investigations to to shine the light on things like you. Like even just looking at like looking at Ronan Farrow. Ronan Farrow is a trained journalist um, and does investigatory reporting, and then people do hot takes about what Ronan Farrow does. You know, so it's like, yes, it's annoying. It's annoying. It's I, I think that there's room for both, but I think that it's it's muddy waters that could stand from being clarified. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Cause, because then you have all this confusion because people are taking just because something's been published as a fact because people are too dumb to know, not too dumb, but just like either like don't have the information to know that that's not necessarily something that's been researched very well. Um, or it's just like an accounting of what someone else said, basically hearsay instead of actual journalistic work. They're weighed the same. They're like, this article from the New York Times says this thing. And then this opinion piece on InfoWars says this thing. I guess they're both the same. Like, it's just, it's not, yeah, they're not, they don't bear the same weight. They don't hold the same water, but the, the val, they sometimes are given the same amount of value. Right. Cause frogs were not made gay by water. Alex Jones. <laughs> no, this podcast made them gay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, made them gay. We're making Welcome frogs. to Nightvale is the gay agenda, and this episode is where the gay agenda really gets started with the, the love affair. Just hella gay, hella gay. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. The gayer, the better, you know? The more, the merrier. That's why I don't have a boyfriend, because I spend too much time with gay people. And I don't know, I can't recognize a straight man. I'm not bothered by them. <laughs> I'm, un I'm unbothered by straight men, so I... Uh, you don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. In the future, everyone will be gay. And beige. And beige, yeah. So just a bunch of like light-eyed beige people who are all gay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's the future I want to live in. I think we're going to miss it, though. Unless we live forever. I told you, vampirism. <laughs> the ongoing theme on Good Morning Night Vale about whether we should choose vampirism. <laughs> it's the ultimate pro-life stance. It's just pro, pro the most life. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Wham wore those t-shirts that said, choose vampirism? Yeah, that's good. I wish I had that t-shirt right now. So can we talk about the list? 
Yes, let's talk. Yes. Let's talk. Let us talk about the list. Which ultimately, they tell you like you have to memorize it, and it, like any sort of transposition or missing of anything could really just fuck you up. But then at the end, they're like, "Eh, the list isn't really going to help you. If something terrible is going to happen, it's going to happen anyway, right?" Yeah, I mean, my personal interpretation of this: when you were, did anyone take standardized tests when they were? Yes. Uh, yep. And on the standardized tests, was there a section where they were like? remember what this word is and they'd be like they'd give you a made-up word and then they'd say it was a real word does anyone remember that they'd be like a tristan is a ladder a clort is a white flower and then you had to like later remember that so that reminded me of this and then later in your life you don't actually need to know any of that shit but no you do not (laughs) you're standardized tested on it and i remember that stuff and like i couldn't tell you like what's in the magna carta but i can tell you that a like clort is a white flower (laughs) uh yeah i mean this look clearly this list is a test of obedience yeah so if somebody's truly obedient and a model citizen they'll they'll remember the list even though it won't save you at all later on I mean, yeah, they talk about the neighborhood watch just to sort of tie it in to something that happens later in the episode. The government's spying on you all the time. I, I love this segment. This is my this is my favorite segment of the of the episode. That idea of like the neighborhood watch is actually here to watch the neighborhood. So leave your shades open. Make sure you speak clearly. Right. It's like you're being because mon- you're being monitored all the time. Although I don't know about you, but when I walk around and someone has their shades open, you're asking me to look in your house. And I'm gonna. (laughs) I want to see how you've decorated. I want to see what's going on. Are you watching a show? I'm going to watch it too. I might just. Yeah, what show is it that you're watching? (laughs) Stand out here on the sidewalk. It's Jeopardy time. Are we watching Jeopardy? Are we going to play along together? You just hear someone yell. You just hear someone yell from like outside. You're like, what is banana pudding? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that could exactly. possibly be the answer to but yes it would be uh, right. what is a delicious pudding with bananas in it what is banana pudding correct i'm usually very good at jeopardy by the way are you good at the trivias do you like going to bar trivia uh no because i don't leave my home how <laughs> but if you did but if i did i, I think i would i go to a, a, a trivia night. That'd be fun. Um, I actually, no, I went to one trivia one time, but it was like sexy trivia. And I found out mm-hmm. that they were like, oh, see, I don't even want to talk about this because it's gross. Um, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Let's talk about the library improvements. <laughs> oh. I'm, w- I'm way more interested in whatever the sex attri- sex okay, trivia okay. was. Okay, it was point. about when the P goes in the V. What shape is it? Like, does it go like straight? Is it wiggly, or or does it curve, it, or whatever? It that sounds more like a survey than it, a no, trivia no, question. No, it's actually this is it curves like a boomerang. It goes like a boomerang style. Well, there you go. I always thought it was just like straight in there, you know. But you got business up in there. The more you know. (laughs) Let's talk about the library improvements. Let's talk about those library improvements. So they've improved the library and good for them. Like they put a door on it. They put a door on it. Yeah, this this section I think is hilarious. They do, they they play the whole game of the library and it being, uh, having a bunch of weird things in it and it being a dangerous place. And then the last one is just, finally, the children's section is getting beanbag chairs. I think that's great. I would have loved beanbag chairs in my in my library. Yep. Did you guys go to the library a lot when you were kids? Yeah. Yes. It was a family activity. Like me, my mom, my brother. My dad never would never go. He'd be watching the footballs. So we would go to the library and spend, I don't know, a couple hours there figuring out books. I would always lose books, though. My mom would get really mad. They, I know they charge you like 13 cents a week or something, but it adds up. I think I still owe the Gurney Library like forty bucks. We should oh, check God. in on that. Ah, uh, they've they've <laughs> probably forgiven it. Yeah, they got the records got lost in the fire. <laughs> that yeah. I set <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a some fun improvements to the library. There's some library repellent, uh, librarian repellent, which is good. 
we have the, yeah the more the more development of the library as the horrifying place again it's the the, the theme that we've been running through the the whole concept of night vale is that the the mundane is uh, extraordinary and the extraordinary is mundane and librarians are terrifying yeah i like the idea of make yourself bigger than the librarian right those tips those wilderness tips is that what you do with bears i don't think you should i think it maybe it's a dog thing well, because one of them you're supposed to get small, one of them you're supposed to get big. It's a real Alice in Wonderland. Yes, one pill makes you small. Um, I think you probably probably should look that up and then not confuse them. Right, because if you get big and a fucking bear is swatting at you. But another time. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure a bear would just like murder. You should just like avoid bears at all costs. They're like the Noid. You avoid them. Another great <laughs> Sterling reference that all the kids will get. Noid. That's what Domino's, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See, kids, Domino's used to have a, <laughs> a mascot that was the Noid. It was a guy in a rabbit suit, and we did not like him because he ruined pizzas. So if you ordered Domino's, somehow that was better. Right, was I know. Very like, confusing their time. pizzas were garbage, but now they're yeah. better, I guess. It was definitely uh, thought up by a bunch of people on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it made a ton of sense. It did not. All advertising in the eighties. Exactly. I mean, think just the, just that micro that micro machines guy. He didn't talk that fast. Just regular. No cocaine. Just on cocaine. Do you want to explain that ad? You actually wound up going. Well, I guess it's not less obscure than mine. It's really? as obscure. Yeah, no. Micro machines and like the guy. He. It would almost be like a disclaimer, but he'd be like. But, I, but he'd be saying words instead of just <laughs> word salad. Yeah, he's a word. He was a a world record speed talker. Was he ever tested for doping? <laughs> yes, they thought he was a huge dope, <laughs> but he still has the record, and nobody can take that away. Oh, still? Let's go ahead and say yes. Still, yeah. Let's let's speak with authority about this esoteric subject. Well, it's just like what. I'll t- think talking about things that are look. What's the use of that? Like world speed talker, I guess to get you some micro machines commercials. But then other than that, like what are you going to use that for? Uh, being an auctioneer, being like going once, going to a good this guy, lady over here. They, that was my impression of an auctioneer. Thank you. <laughs> that was great. Great auctioneering. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, so let's talk about how the the conversation uh, gets to. So we you know, we hear about the. The man in the tan jacket and the the Carlos calls that we get, uh, and then we get to they have a date. They get off the phone, and then Cecil is, is calling it a date um, when because uh, Carlos is like, we need to get together because I, I know you have contacts with like the mayor. We need to figure this out. And Cecil's like, oh, a date, sure. So yeah, I love that he's like misreading those signals, but also is super excited about a date and and the expectations that are set out there. It reminds me of some of the me trying to play it cool on some first dates and then failing pretty epically at that. Um, (laughs) It's pretty relatable. Uh, There was one first date that I went on, which I was like so excited about. I was like so into this dude for a really long time. And then like he was like engaged and then like he stopped being engaged. And like the second he stopped being engaged, I poked him on Facebook because that's the class class act that I am. And uh, we chatted for a bit, and then we decided to go on a date. And within the first, like, minute of our first date, I was getting out of my car, and I was smoking a cigarette because I was trash. And I set my hair just, like, directly on fire. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Like, all of it or just, like, a little bit? Was it noticeable? Well, I mean, I was like, my fucking hair is on fire. Hi, nice to meet you. Like, like I'm trying to find the, you know, the cherry of the cigarette that's stuck in my hair um, and, like, put it out. <laughs> You're a human Farrelly Brothers movie. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that, like, I'm going to walk up to this date. He's going to know I'm cool. I'm smoking, obviously. I'm getting out of my car that I drive, <laughs> and I am ha- I'm able to smoke a cigarette. And, like, the wind ca- – and, like, I had long, straight hair that I'd straightened, super special for the date. And, like, the wind came and just, like, went right into my cigarette and just <laughs> – God, Yes. <laughs> Don't smoke, guys. That's one of the reasons. What, what the I, hazards yeah. of smoking? Well, actually, the last when I quit smoking, the last cigarette I ever smoked, like when I really quit seven years ago, it set my hair on fire that time too. And I was like, "This is it. It's definitely <laughs> it. This is definitely it." Yep. Cigarette lights your hair on fire once. Shame on the cigarette. Cigarette lights your hair on fire twice. Shame on you. Yeah. 
Did you ever have it like you ash out the window and then it would fly in the back window and it then starts setting your backseat on fire? I definitely had that happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't smoke anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's why everyone jewels now or uh, vapes because then there's no fire and you don't have to worry about being on fire. Right. You just have to worry about like wet lung. <laughs> and, and and charging your vape pen. <laughs> yeah, when you're at the airport, you need to plug in your phone and somebody's got their vape pen plugged in instead. <laughs> like they're, oh, smokers always find a way. They always find a way. <laughs> Uh, but that is also why I carry um, extra external battery because I don't want to be huddled amongst all those sad people at the the pods of like plugs. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't be bothered when one person yeah. has like 17 things plugged in and a like little <laughs> extender. You're like, fuck you, bro. Go home. <laughs> um. Also, the man in the tan jacket. He mind wipes Carlos, no? Just a bit. Yeah. Yeah, something something happens there where Carlos yeah. can't quite remember what he was talking about. But he still does remember the thing about the time part, you know, about times asking the listeners about that. So he must have, like, taken part of that out of his brain. I don't know what it is about this man in the tan jacket, like, we talked about this, obviously, when we talked about the episode, but it gets more and more mysterious. You're like, what is, is it a power that he has? Is he just so plain and forgettable? You know, but like people are losing other parts of their memory. It's not just their memory of him. It's their memories of other things too, no? Yes, apparently. I think that Carlos solves something big and then that just gets mm-hmm. right erased and and he's just left fumbling about time. He's lucky that that's all that happened. Yeah, right. Yes. And he didn't disappear or something, right? Yeah. Or get worked over with a pipe or whatever. Maybe he's one of those like mind suckers. I don't know what the term is. Damn it. Like he's like a, maybe he's like an alien type thing where he like sucks out people's like memories and stuff. I watch a lot of supernatural shows. Or like in Men in Black with the thing. The yes. Pen thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, maybe he is a man in. Instead of a man in black, he's a man in tan jack. <gasps> did we just fucking blow this <laughs> wide open? I think we did. Yeah. I think it's been blown wide open. Is the man in tan jack? <laughs> <laughs> Won't let you remember. Yeah, it is Will Smith. Or do you think it'd be Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones? I think it'll be Tommy Lee Jones. Sure. But didn't he go like, get his memory wiped? Yes. At the end of the first man in black, he wipes his own memory. And then, but then he comes he back. Goes to Night Vale. Oh, okay. I didn't see Men in Black too. Maybe Night Vale <laughs> is just Men in Black too, or Men in Black one point five. It probably is. Yes. MIB one point five coming this summer to a podcast. <laughs> Up next, we've got a conversation with everybody's favorite Dylan Marin. But first, a conversation about this episode's weather, which was "Those Days Are Gone" and "My Heart Is Breaking" by Barton Carroll. Thoughts? Well, I love a little folky, folky storytelling song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was so sad, though. I felt very sad. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was uh, impactful music. And it felt, it was another one that, uh, one of the second time for me where it felt like this ties in emotionally to the episode, even if it's not a song about like two people making phone calls and dates. Which is the song I tried to submit as the weather to this episode. It was turned down. Rejected. I think they went the right way. Yeah, but I, I enjoy a storyline in um a, in a song. I almost said a musical. Girl, really? Um, <laughs> um, I always enjoy a story in a song. And this was kind of like an epic, like you're talking about throughout his life. And like he had a, you know, this relationship with this lady who had a baby and then he couldn't do that. So he left. And then, you know, she ended up marrying somebody else and he took the, like the baby now has the guy's name. That would be just very difficult as a person. You know what I mean? And I I don't know what, what um, person this song technically, well, if it's actually him or whatever, I don't know. 
Barton Carroll's life. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to. I don't know your life, Barton Carroll. <laughs> um, but I I just, I think it's it's very sad and very, you know, there's lots of things that happens in people's lives and you just keep moving on through. And that's a lot of what Night Vale's about, I think. So it kind of fits for me. Yeah. Not, not necessarily into the story exactly, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. I, I tried to do a little research about the the performer, um, uh, Burton Carroll, and I didn't turn up too much about uh, this person's life. They uh, they make music. Um, <laughs> they are a folk musician, uh, Barton Carroll, and uh, they're from North Carolina. So I, I was able to, to pick up that. They have an active Twitter account. Um, that was really all I got in the deep dive. Uh, I don't think, I think that this is a, a, a fictional song. Uh, I think it's some fictional storytelling based on my research, but uh, okay. I, I can't speak for sure because... Good detective work. Yes, like thank it. you. I did a quick Google search. Um, I'm a journalist. Thank you. <laughs> you. Read all about it on your blog. I challenge Barton Carroll to come on here and tell us whether it was a true story or a fictional story. But either way... We liked it. Yeah, I really dug it. Thumbs up. As many thumbs as you have. Yes, all the thumbs are up for you, Barton Carroll. Thanks for being the weather. Thanks for being a pal. Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do? Having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning. So with us, we have the wonderful voice of Carlos, Dylan Marin. Dylan And I say that with a controversial tone, because in this episode, there is another voice of Carlos in this episode that we're talking about. Yeah. But I know, scandalously, it's not me. But we're here to talk about you. So Dylan. Good. Dylan, Dylan, thank you. So you, um, you did a re-listen to the episode. I did. I had not listened to it since it... That's not true. I was about to say I hadn't listened to it since it came out. But the truth is, I hadn't listened to it. I think I was like a few months behind when it first started. So I probably hadn't listened to it since like late 2013. What was your awareness of it initially? Like, uh, you know, I want to, obviously we were going to get to you actually being cast in it, but up until that point, 
so I was aware of it as this thing that my friend at the time, Jeffrey, and my friend Cecil, or my like fellow ensemble member of the Neo-Futurists, um, I was aware that it was a project they were working on, and I really didn't know Joseph too well at that time. He was just like a person who I'd met and who I really, really liked, but I didn't really have too many opportunities to get to know him. So I knew that there was like this other project going on, but I was so new to this theater company at the time that like everything was such a blur. Um, and I was just like kind of taking it all in. I think I started listening to episodes and it was also around the time of the summer that it like started kind of blowing up and I was like, oh my God, like this is a big, big deal. And so I was aware of it and I loved it. Just more just being wowed that friends that I knew could make something like that, you know? Yeah. Right. And and yeah, that's that was my awareness of it. And uh, what what was your life like at that time? Like, what what were you doing? Where were you at? What was I doing? Where was I at? You well, were just a youth in New York. I was just a youth. I was five years old. <laughs> I had fresh out of kindergarten, <laughs> and I was like, "What am I going to do with the rest of my life?" Um, and no, what was I doing? So at that time, I was. In my first year at the, with the Neo-Futurists, um, I had just met the guy who would be my husband, which is Todd. Aww. And it was like, that was like such a beautiful summer because it was like that first summer. And so we were like falling in love with each other, which was, you know, a beautiful time. It's still a beautiful time, but like that first summer is really special. And I was waiting tables at a vegan restaurant that's now closed called Angelica Kitchen. And RIP. It was so good. Oh, and I was filming a web series at the time. It's funny, like that summer, or like the summer I started listening to Night Vale. So this is like summer of 2013. I don't know. Like I was, I was, I had just turned 25. So I like didn't know what the world was going to hold, but I was so happy waiting tables and working with the New York neo-futurists that I was like, and, and I don't mean this as a joke, but I was like, I want to do this forever. You know, <laughs> like I want to wait tables and I want to work with the neo-futurists forever. And I think it was my first time being surrounded by artists. So to bring it back to Night Vale, so to know that at that time, like friends of mine were making something that I just like personally thought was really cool and I found really entertaining and fascinating. I was just like, oh my God, I am among artists. I feel so <laughs> special, you know? Yeah, when you're feeling that creative juice mm -hmm. like yeah. flowing and it inspires you too, right? Oh my God, yeah. I was like, I really remember thinking like this forever. You know, like I had my like, I, I really am not joking, but like I had my schedule set up at the restaurant and it was like so perfect. I was every night that I wasn't working with the neo futurists, I was waiting tables and I was like, this is the life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was definitely a tender time. Yeah. I remember being in the neo futurists with you at the time yeah. and it was so great. And yeah. And I felt like you were really developing your voice as an artist during that time. Yeah. I was just thinking about that today, like for all of us and everyone has a different journey, but it takes so long to develop your voice as an artist, meaning like, and it's so frustrating because when you're at that age or I don't want to link it to a certain number because some people are at different levels and there's there's no race is what you kind of realize in the end. Um, but when you're at that stage of development, there is so much you have yet to learn about who you are or like what kind of things you want to make. And what's mo what's extremely frustrating about it is you you like know what you want to make, but you don't have the tools to articulate it. Do you right. know what I mean? Like you see the seeds in your mind, but you don't have the ability to fully express it just yet. And it's a really beautiful thing in retrospect, but in the moment you're like, oh, I just want to do these things that I want to <laughs> do, you know? Yeah, it can be really frustrating not um, have, being able to fully realize something. But I, I think those seeds, like you put it, are sometimes it takes a while for the you to develop that idea, right? Oh, yeah. And like, oh, yeah. 
you know, because I remember when we were on tour, like, a while ago, when you made that video of us, I think the two-month-long... Oh, yeah, the stop-motion video. Yeah, the stop-motion video. And I, and then after that, you did every single word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of like that... Oh, yeah. For you. I, yeah, I think it, like, it takes time. It takes time for all of us. I don't know. What about you guys? When do you think that you guys became little artist queens? <laughs> Am I allowed to ask questions on this? Sure. Yeah, please. Okay, great. This isn't your podcast, Mary. <laughs> you're on a short leash, so counselor. tell me why you wrote that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, so, uh, no, I guess my question for you guys, well, at first I was going to be like, ask the huge, like, open-ended question of like, what was your evolution? But then we'd all be here for 17 hours. But I guess this was summer of 2013, but can everyone talk about what they were doing in summer of 2013? I want to hear. Ooh. Um, uh, Night Vale was, it wasn't quite popular yet. It was about to be, so it was about to blow up. Um, I was working as an insurance agent. I was working with the Neo-Futurists. I was living with Joseph Fink in a very tiny, very gross apartment. Did you like being an insurance agent? No. Well, I, I liked helping people <laughs> because that was, that was fun. Like it was, uh, helping them navigate, a difficult time. I worked in insurance claims and I was kind of like a customer advocate. <laughs> so it was nice being able to help people navigate through something that was confusing, but it was, it was a nine to five and it was a, a, a company that there wasn't really the opportunity to have any growth in. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did, I got to eventually stop doing that because of Night Vale. So thank you everyone. Yes. Thanks, did it. Night vale. it was Hal and Symphony. I think I was doing fitness mm-hmm. uh, a lot. I had just transitioned into doing, personal training and group exercise full-time and acting. I was in uh, a few regional theater shows. Yes. Um, That's why I transitioned to doing Uh fitness full-time because I was like, I need something that's going to pay my bills while I try to be an artist queen. Uh Yes. And so I was uh, pursuing that. And I think that's actually the first year that I went on a tour because uh-huh. I did a, a a show about the military, mm. and we traveled all around the the country. I love that was pretty fun. But you were acting for a long time before that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Since I was a but wee baby child, <laughs> I was. Um, <laughs> I actually one of my major injuries was on stage on the stage during um, Peter Pan. Ah, oh. when I was in junior high. Were you Peter? No. Wendy. I was one of the Indians. Can you believe it? We, we, you were Wendy? No, one of the Indians in Neverland. Oh, in Neverland. Like Tiger, La- Tiger Lily. Oh, yes, yes. You know, help the Lost Boys and all that stuff. Yes. And I ripped my toe open on a smoke machine. <gasps> oh, what yeah. a way to go, though. I know. On a smoke machine, my favorite. <laughs> and I was so upset that I couldn't perform in that night's show. Oh, <laughs> Well, I I know those devastations. Like yeah. at the time, you're like nothing is bigger than this. Like I have to make the show. Yeah, I yeah. gotta dance. You know. No, I know that feeling. I know. What that about feeling, you, Alligator? Though. Uh, geez, 2013 thrilling adventure hour was summer was, of was uh not peaking, but certainly reaching a peak. So we were yeah. You were a podcast queen. I was a podcast queen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. You know. It's odd. I, like I look back and think, a lot has changed and nothing has changed because I still I have the same day job that I had then. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten to do more stuff. I get to travel with Night Vale sometimes. Every once in a while, mm-hmm. the Thrilling Adventure gang gets together and does things. But that you know, I'm at an age now where I know what I want to do, and I know mm-hmm. more and more specifically what I want to do, and that's been sort of the gift of where I've come from, it, it's been a lot of, in the, the time I've been performing, just sort of wherever the wind takes me. And I'm just happy to be doing something. And whatever I'm doing in that moment is the next big thing. So one of the things I've learned is to have as many uh, things as possible going on at a time. And that makes me very, <laughs> very happy. It's Hello. The days are full. But uh, yeah, at that time, like, I didn't. I could not have ma- imagined what I would have gotten to do in the five years since. But I was really grateful for everything that was happening then. I was getting to travel and like a, a lot of dream and wish fulfillment was happening 
at that time. Yeah. And I, I had met Jeffrey and Joseph that spring at the Bell House. And then I would get to do my first live show that fall. Oh, my God. Memories. Mems. Memories of our, our love and our lives. Mems. So, uh, so so this episode, Dylan, you're, Carlos is in, but it is voiced by someone who is not you. Who is not um, me. As a, a huge affront to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey traveled back in time and was like, how can I offend Dylan? I know. And he found a way. <laughs> as an honor to that, let's talk about when you were cast as Carlos. Yeah. What was that like? Was it what, yeah? What was your experience of uh, joining joining the fold? So I was cast in Carlos, cast in Carlos. I was <laughs> they cast a die, and they threw me in, <laughs> and they said, "This is you now." Um, so I was cast as Carlos in December. No, it was October of 2013, and it was. It was kind of fortuitous because I was I was getting a new phone and they had just given me my new phone and I hadn't even I think the first thing I programmed was like mail and the very first piece of mail that came up like in real time was Jeffrey asking me to play Carlos. Oh. And oh. yeah, that was October of 2013 and he was like you got to keep this a secret until December 19th, which is when your first live show is going to be and I was like love and then I said yes and I was so excited and um I don't know it was like the beginning of a really huge and wonderful journey for me I really loved being part of it was um it hard to keep it a secret um yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was I think I I remember posting on Facebook like I was like Jeffrey what is okay to post and I went, I ran copy by him and I was like, I posted, I'm going to be part of Welcome to Night Vale without details of like what. And this was private Facebook. I wasn't on Twitter, you know, like Instagram was a thing that I had maybe posted on like three times in the last two years, you know. Um, and he was like, yeah, you can post that on Facebook. And I did. And... Um, yeah, the rest is history, and it's printed in stone at the Smithsonian. Yeah. There's a whole section that's called Dylan Cast as Carlos. <laughs> it's it's a the wing. Really large. It's like five rooms, which is it's five rooms. And- yeah, the whole building is Dylan in 2013, so that's why five rooms are, you know, appropriate. Dylan Cast as Carlos. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember, yeah, in 2014, you started coming on tour with us. We did our first real tour of the West Coast, and we were all so confused about how to do that, and you were there for some of those shows. And- <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. It was, like, such a special time. It was like, oh, dear, my phone just fell. Yeah, we were also such new little bunnies. Figuring out what the world was. Yeah. And then the world was like, this is it. And we were like, okay, we figured it out. And then we <laughs> left. And we were like, we know everything. How did it, uh, that initial involvement and in even going out on tour, you know, you talked about where you were in 2013, you're waiting tables, you're doing Nietzsche, uh, Neo Futurist, and you're like, I wanted this forever. If, if, this, mm-hmm. if this were it, Dainu, as, as we say, uh, as my Dai, people Dainu, say, Dainu, 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 yeah. that, that would be enough. Um, but then, you know, Night Vale, as, as it always does, it sort of kicks things into another level. Yeah. So, w- what was that journey like for you? At what point were you like, "Oh, things have things have changed, and I don't think they're going to change back." You know, the honest answer is like it. Things felt like they changed when I was on tour because tour is like this like other world. But things always felt like they changed back right when I got back from tour. Right. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Sure. Because it was this thing that it was like, because Nightville wasn't my full-time job in the sense that I was joining on tours, and I really loved being on tours. And if I was given the offer of being on tour full-time for the rest of like my life, I would have been like, yes! <laughs> and like, as long as I get to keep my night shifts at my restaurant, you know, like the <laughs> happiness that that brought me. So I wanted to, like, have the restaurant travel with us so I could work night shifts around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, going on tour was this outrageous, incredible experience. And I really loved being part of it. And then I always had a crash when I got back from tour. You know, it was like, oh, like, I forgot that 
not every night can I step out into a like screaming auditorium of 500 people, you know? Sure. Right. But I think the huge thing that I learned from it and, and the like big thing I got out of it, I guess artistically, is I saw a bunch of people because I always felt like a witness on tour. Like I, I didn't, I felt like a guest who was witnessing something. Right. Um, just because like, I didn't write the show. I didn't have a hand in writing the show. And Cecil is doing like such incredible work f- throughout the whole show. And I felt like I was witnessing something. And, and what I felt so, I remember like multiple times, like proverbially, not literally, but pinching myself to just say like, I can't believe I get to see this and see, how like it it does prove like these these people and I say this as a witness but like these people witnessing all of you guys these people got here because of hard work you know and that was like a really 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 cool thing to see and be part of I I agree with you 100% because I feel I have a similar feeling when I go out on tour not that everybody and and you'll test this as well that everybody the entire group is, I mean, it is a family and you are welcomed and you are mm-hmm. brought in and you are not made yeah. to feel separate. But there is that thing of like, I'm just on board this train for a couple stops. And <laughs> the, I, I, you know, I remember the show that we did in San Diego, which I think you were there for, Dylan, back in. Yeah, that's that was my f- first time I met you. Yes, that's right. And we went out yeah. into the lobby yeah. afterwards and got like crushed against a wall yes. for, for two hours. And yeah. and that. Yeah, I remember that. Se- seeing how we went from that <laughs> to where the show, like how like slick in the best possible way and well-produced, like just how quickly, how hard everybody worked and how. I hate to, I hate to use the word machine because I feel like saying machine like saying the machine is a negative no. thing, but that machine and how it's been no, put it's together, an artistic machine. the artistic machine runs so well that it, it blows my mind, and it's uh, it's it's awe inspiring and inspirational at the same time. I fully agree. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Well, and speaking of the Nightvale family. You actually have a show on the network, right, Dylan? Oh, yes. I have a show on the network. It's called Conversations with People Who Hate Me. And I um, I call up some of the people who have said negative things about me on the internet. And other times I moderate conversations between people who have gotten into online negativity with each other. And if you guys haven't listened to it yet, it really is so beautiful and sometimes you really have to have the bandwidth to deal with the particular topic at the time. Yeah. No pressure if you don't have the bandwidth. If you For don't sure. have the bandwidth, go fix yourself a really nice snack <laughs> and do something that makes you feel good. Right. Self-care is sexy. Self-care is hot. <laughs> Self-care is very sexy. But also, it, I have to say about the show that these topics are always tough and they're always hard-hitting, but the way that you present it, it... it it never makes me cringe. Oh, <laughs> it never makes me cringe. It makes me cringe. I feel like it, like it's it, it, it that you uh, you kind of protect everyone involved. You the this like especially with the ones where you're moderating. Oh. You're really like you go out of your way to uh, yeah, that's make my, everyone feel good. That's my goal. I mean, like I don't want. It's a very it's a really vulnerable thing to agree to get on the phone with mm-hmm. someone. You know, like whether you have received it, that's definitely vulnerable. And also if you were the one who wrote it, you know, like it's it's hard. But um yeah, I I mean I'm I'm proud of it. I like doing it. You should. We were hanging out this weekend and we were talking about it and um uh Aaron McKeown, who's the mm-hmm. who's the weather for the show we just did, she was like, I love Dylan's show. It's so important. It's oh. so good. And I was like I'm putting that on my tombstone too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Get ready, guys. I, I tell everybody <laughs> and anybody who asks, like, what podcast should we be listening to? I say yours and I say yours alone because uh? ne- look, it would be important and and wonderful anytime, but Particularly this point in history, it is so, so important to have somebody who you you deal with a moment of conflict head on and you have an honest and open conversation with somebody that's not accusatory. Everybody comes out humanized in the best possible way and we learn more 
it is a great learning experience for how to listen to someone and have a conversation with them and how to yes. navigate humanity and that we don't have enough oh of that in God. the world and it's you guys i did not expect this on this little it's phone really call. like we love you and we yeah. actually do listen to your show you, like, i it, love yeah, your show it blows me away and it's you are a, a an absolute treasure and the work you've been doing it's great like one of the best things that, that has come out of night vale is watching you like watching your star rise and what you do with the influence <laughs> you had. I know that's a weird way to put it, but like all the no, work you No, I, I just feel honored. I just, I had no idea we were going to take this sweet little turn. Yeah. This is like, I feel like I was taken into like a metaphorical surprise party room. <laughs> and, yeah. and we're all like, like surprise! All of these people I really you. respect are saying nice things that make me feel really good and warm inside. So I'm just going to go cuddle up with a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> We were like, come talk about episode this episode of the phone call <laughs> yeah. where Jeffrey Craner voices Carlos, and right, then it's right, just right. it's just all an elaborate ruse to get you in a Google Hangout so we could uh, talk about how much we love your work and how much we love you as a person and virtually I, hug you, guys. I love you. Get the freak <laughs> out of here. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's let's talk a little business. What did you think about this episode? You said you took a re-listen. I took a re-listen. It's like creepy also yeah. it's so it's so fascinating to see like nightvale had its voice from the beginning we've been saying that you know like nightvale knew exactly what it was which admittedly means joseph and jeffrey knew exactly what it was from the very beginning which is outrageous you know i get yeah I guys, let's recommend. I have a podcast recommendation. I don't know if your listeners have heard, but there's a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. It's pretty good, and I highly recommend it. <laughs> I've been meaning to listen. I would love if we have listeners to the show that have not listened to Welcome yes, to Night Vale. Yes. Wait, what are they They're just like? Listen to these lovable weirdos. Hold on, listen. I I want to know if you listen to this show and you do not listen to Welcome to Night Vale, please write in or call in and tell us why. Yes. And I don't mean that accuse. That's not an accusation. I'm just curious. Like who'd you? How's like Jacques? Yeah. What are you here for? We gotta know. What do you tell us? Who's your supplier? <laughs> Who's the supplier? What are your intentions? Yeah, honey, we gotta know. What are your intentions towards our Dylan? We need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, thank you so much for joining us on Good Morning Nightville. We'll have to have you back when uh, when Carlos starts uh, popping back into the show. Oh my God, please! Um, and then we'll just have to have you back because you're, you know, a perfect, a perfect cinnamon teeth roll. and hair person. I'm a perfect cinnamon, cinnamon roll. roll. Deal with it. <laughs> you're perfect cinnamon roll with teeth and hair. I, so. I, I, that yes. actually sounds I'm like one of those cinnamon rolls that like is born with teeth and hair. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's terrifying. Um, you guys <laughs> are all sounds... perfect queens, and I oh. love and respect all of you. Deal with it. All right. Um, on that note, thank you all so much for being a friend and thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Next week, we will be back at you again discussing episode Valentine, where we will hear from Night Vale listeners about their theories, questions, and comments. And as always, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Ludlin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart. It is mixed by Vincent Cascione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our guest this week, Dylan Marin. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to tell us which host you think would let you copy their chemistry homework. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb. Today's adverb is here. The adverb goes here. I want you to write a story about a wedding reception. I want you to make that story two minutes. That's about 200 to 250 words when you read it out loud. Finish it. 
refine it a bit, work on it, get it to somewhere that you are happy with it. I want you to delete it. That's me, Joseph Fink, giving a short writing assignment on me and my Welcome to Night Vale co-writer, Jeffrey Craner's new podcast, Start With This. If that prompt sparked your creativity, then give it a listen, because on this show, it's you who will do the creating. Not sure where to start? Start with this. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.